Scripture reading today is Philippians 4, 4 to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. One of the things that you have to do as a parent is field questions from your children, and some of them are easy, some of them are difficult. One of the questions that I least enjoy hearing from my children is, uh, begins this way, Dad, do you remember that time? And the reason I hate hearing it is because, no, I don't remember, like, anything. That's a problem. Uh, it's like, if that's my brain, it's like I get that message that pops up on my computer on a regular basis, your startup disk is almost full, right? It's like this, like, there's, there's not enough room up there, so things have to leave. And so they'll say, like, but don't you remember? It was like the third game of that tournament we were in in 2016, and we were in this city, and it was this. And I'm like, no, I don't remember any of those things because my brain was full years ago. And so every new thing that happens, something else has to be removed. And so here we are. I just want to say that as to acknowledge that as we're uh, getting into this series on verses that you should memorize and why, just to acknowledge that like my brain doesn't really work that good when it comes to memorizing things from the Bible. But I love this morning's passage, and it's actually one that I was able somehow to intentionally commit to memory uh, maybe 20 years ago, and it stuck with me through the years. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It really is one of the more encouraging passages in Scripture, but it actually starts off with something that most of us aren't too crazy about. It's a, 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 a prohibition, a do not. So it seems like an interesting choice. People often think about Christianity as a long list of do-nots, and, and that's what religion's about, and there's something to be said for it. I mean, you look at, you know, the Ten Commandments, you shall not do this, you shall not do that, you shall not do this, you shall not do that, and so there's an element of truth, but really that's, that's kind of all over the place. That's not just in churches. I snacked some pictures of a few signs that you could see out there, do not use ladder, do not stand here, do not drink, do not touch, do not use elevator, please do not smoke, at least they use the manners in that one. And then there are the signs that don't need any words at all. Do not enter. It's like, you don't even need the words. You just don't, don't go there. But why? Why aren't we supposed to do these things? Well, there's something that they're trying to help us with here. And then, of course, some signs spell it out a little more for you. If you try to lift this box, you will grow a sharp plant on your back. Right? Well, this other one, danger, do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you are dying. All right? So don't do this because if you do it, something bad is going to happen to you, okay? So most of the time, do not is a way of saving us from some kind of harm and of discouraging us from going against the grain of how we are created to live. So this morning's verse that we're looking at begins, do not. So what are we not supposed to do? Well, do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's easy. 
As important as Paul's advice about avoiding worry is for the well-being of our souls, it can be difficult to actually live out when we find ourselves being overwhelmed by life. As one author puts it, nothing seems to be more natural in this world than to become anxious, to become burdened and worried. Like This is like the easiest thing for us to do, and the Bible is challenging us to not ever do it. What do we do when a crisis arises? Well, there's one crisis that we all know how to respond to, and so I'm going to actually ask you to say out loud what you do when your clothes are on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. Now, why do you know that? Have you ever thought of how strange it is in our culture that everyone in the room knows what to do when your clothes are on fire? Whose clothes have ever been on fire? No one's clothes ever go on fire. Oh, Eric, okay, not surprising. <laughs> but it's like this one thing that like, happens to one person in an entire room, but we all know what to do in that crisis. But when most crises arrive in life, we don't actually know. There's not some thing that comes to our mind that says, oh, this is what I should do in this situation. And so our default is to become anxious and to worry and maybe try to solve this situation ourselves. When we face real crisis in lives, we don't have a clue what to do. We get overwhelmed. We try to fix things. Now, I want to make a note, and this is important. This is not about ignoring or downplaying anxiety disorders. All right, I want to make that really clear. This idea of don't be anxious, this is not a judgment on someone's challenges. For those people in our room, and certainly there are a number, who struggle with anxiety, this is not like saying you're bad. Okay? This is, there are different types of anxiety that we're talking about. And at the same time, I also want to say that, that we can't think that because the Bible says do not be anxious, that we should not um, take professional advice or seek help of people um, outside to, to help us get towards a place of health, right? Well, I'm just not supposed to be anxious, so I guess I just, should just stop. Well, we might actually need people to walk with us and journey with us towards health. So I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. And in fact, that's one of the reasons we're doing this series is to take some of these kind of well-known verses from the Bible and unpack them a little more, make sure that we're not misunderstanding or misinterpreting them. Matthew Henry, a biblical commentator, writes, There is a care of diligence, which is our duty, but there's a care of distrust, which is our sin and folly. And what he means here is that if, if our circumstances are overwhelming us, there's something that, there's a responsibility we have to respond to that, okay? But if we think that we can handle whatever it is that's overwhelming us on our own without leaning on God, without coming to God, well, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. So it's about finding this balance, well, according to Philippians 4, the stop, drop, and roll of the Christian life is to come to God in everything, which makes this passage a perfect candidate for us to hammer into our heads. Now, when you memorize a verse in the Bible, and maybe if you only have like one or two memorized like I do, uh, you hope that it's, they don't, translators don't change it. And unfortunately for me, translators have changed a word in this passage, so it's kind of frustrating. If you were really paying attention to kind of what I said from memory to what Rachel said, you'll notice, oh, he didn't get it quite right. I got like the version of 20 years ago right. Um, there's a word where I memorized in everything, it, the Bible now says in every situation. And I think it's actually probably a little more helpful because it gets really specific. We're talking about in every situation we're to present our requests to God. When I'm drowning in debt, I'm supposed to present my request to God? Yes. When I think I just failed an exam, I'm supposed to turn to God? Yes. When my marriage is on the rocks, when I can't find a job, when I feel that life isn't worth living, when my health is deteriorating, 
when I'm not even sure if I believe in God? Yes. When we are faced with the most daunting challenges that life can throw at us, the answer is yes. In everything, in every situation, present your request to God. But also, when it's the little things that are making us anxious. When I'm lost and my phone battery died and I have no GPS? Yes. When I can't decide what to order for dinner? Yes. When it's been 10 minutes and no one has liked my post yet? Yes. When I can't find a parking spot at the mall? Even then, yes. Turn to God in prayer. Present your request to God. The truth and the beauty of this passage is that whenever anxiety comes knocking, we are invited, and I would even say expected, to present our request to God in every situation. And how are we supposed to present these requests? Well, the passage says, first of all, by prayer and petition. I was thinking about this. When, when I read this, I was thinking about petition, and my mind automatically went to the kind of petitions that people signed to try to make change, and then, and then I went to, like, protests. And there's always protests going on. Uh, some pictures. There are protests going on in Ontario about health care. There's protests in South Carolina around education. There are protests in Venezuela about the government. There are protests going on all the time. People getting out there and saying, something needs to change. This needs to happen. And there's an element, I think, of that that we include in our prayer. But this word petition is something a little different than a protest. It is an earnest plea for a specific need, which it might have in common with protests, but it's about the posture that we come to God. And the words suggest a kneeling and a bending down, offering a humble request for God to ask, not necessarily kind of demanding and fighting as if God doesn't want this thing to happen, as if he is somehow causing this terrible situation, but humbling ourselves down and put bringing ourselves under God's guidance and leadership. There's a beautiful passage from 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Well, geez, there's another great one to memorize. You're allowed to do extras this month. I'll just give you that permission. Thomas Merton reflects on this kind of approach. He says, clearly this is a much more healthy and fruitful concept of Christian patience than the negative one, which asks us to bear every stupid injustice, to obey and keep our mouths shut, because for some unknown reason, which is none of our business, God has decreed that we must be crushed under some burden of suffering. He's like, no. He said, this is a healthier way. Come to God with your request. Beg Him to help your situation. Don't just say, well, I should just deal with all the pain that's coming. No. Beg and ask and seek God humbly to ask. Ask Him to lift you up because He cares for you. Living by faith includes both our efforts and pleas to alleviate hardship when possible and our willingness to accept hardship when it cannot, or maybe, even if we don't understand it, should not be avoided. A few weeks ago, we took a look at this passage of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where we read in Luke 22 that Jesus knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Get not my will, but yours be done. A perfect prayer for us in those situations where we feel overwhelmed, asking God to take this away, but also being willing to live under the burden of it. Whenever we feel anxious, we're invited to approach God in prayer. And I want to remind you at this time that at the end of every service on a Sunday morning, dismissed to discussion groups, we have an opportunity for you to join people in prayer. In this corner over here, we have members of our pastoral care team. And maybe especially this morning, if I'm kind of open up some cans of worms, I'd encourage you to join them. Every Sunday, we have this opportunity to join together with people in prayer. 
And I also want to draw your attention to this email address that we have. And in case you're not aware, we have a group of people in our church community who are committed to praying for the needs of our Elevation community. And if you send an email to pray at elevationwaterloo.org, that will go to the list of people who are praying. And so just send it off and say, I need people to stand with me in this. That can be part of our petitioning, our, our bending down before God together. So we're to come to God with everything, and, and we do that by prayer and petition, but we're all supposed to do that with thanksgiving, all right? Now, this, I was reminded of this, this scene from The Simpsons a number of years ago where Bart is asked to pray for dinner, and he, he prays this way, Dear God, we pay for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And it's easy for us to kind of fall into a similar line sometimes, right? In fact, in memorizing this passage, this little segment is easy to leave out. It flows quite naturally to say, uh, in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. That's how we're maybe used to thinking about praying. It's like, okay, I, I get it. We're supposed to bring our, our anxiety. We're supposed to bring our worries to God. But we're all supposed to bring thanksgiving in the midst of it at the same time. Now, last week was, and uh, last week, until the last week and a half, have been a bit of a gong show in the Mallow household. Some of you are aware uh, Melissa had a, a surgery, an operation to remove a kidney stone that was very large, and, and she had to have it blasted, and, and it was supposed to be a day surgery. Uh, we were supposed to be out. We went in in the morning. We were supposed to be out by mid-afternoon, um, but they couldn't get the pain under control after the operation, and so she ended up actually spending two nights in the hospital, and again, is not here this morning. She's just really struggling to get uh, her energy and, and her health back and get this pain under control. Um, and Thursday, so the second night uh, that we were there, the kids came. And they drove to the hospital just to visit for a few minutes. And, and we were talking after, and one of, the interesting, one of the interesting things about this experience for us, even at the time, was that, like Melissa would describe that Wednesday night as the worst night of her life, that she was up the entire night um, being pumped with medication all through the night. It was just intense pain. Um, but at the same time, we had heard about this other story that Melissa Burke referred to earlier about a woman, Melissa's exact age, who was hit by a car and died last week. And we're sitting there in the hospital talking about this terrible pain that she is going through and this awful situation. And we're talking about the fact that we've got to find a way, even in this situation, to give thanks. Because there are lots of things that we still have like, our kids can come and visit you. And that's a blessing that this other family didn't have. And it was this real perspective shaker for us. Like, in any situation, whether it's the worst night of our lives or not, there is something that we can find to be thankful for. And that's how we're supposed to pray. We come to God not just saying, do this and do that, but coming and saying, thank you for these other things in my life. There's an Estonian proverb that says, who does not thank for little will not thank for much. And so being thankful as part of our regular communication with God, this is a big, good starting point for us, to just be thankful for all of the little things that happen in our lives. Not only does Thanksgiving remind us of all we have to be thankful for, but it can also help shift the perspective we have about the anxious situation that we find ourselves in. That even as bad as things are, there are things to be thankful for, and that can be helpful. I heard someone say this week, I was listening to a podcast, as they said, if it doesn't fit on a mug, a keychain, or a bookmark, it's probably not going to sell. And I was thinking about this passage, and, and there are ways that, that you can memorize this passage that don't get the full effect out of it. In fact, I, I found a couple of examples, these posters online, do not be anxious about anything. 
You can memorize that. And that's not a bad thing to memorize, but, but you don't know what you're supposed to do, right? So you can memorize a little more, and you can say, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I mean, and that's, that's great. That's a real, that would be great to memorize as well. But what happens when you do this? If you only memorize that much, you don't know what happens when we do these things. I've got this anxious situation. I come to God. I give thanks. I prayer. I pray. But what happens? And so that's why I think the next sentence matters to us. We can't let the length of the memory verse discourage us. It's worth doing the hard work of memorizing the whole thing. If we bring everything to God in prayer, what's going to happen? Well, I think we have an idea of what's going to happen. I think our idea of what's going to happen reads something like this. And God will take away all of our troubles and make everything run smoothly, even throwing in a few extra perks, like a good parking spot. This is how we think about this kind of verse, right? It's like, if we, we're not going to be anxious, we're going to bring our requests to God, and God is going to answer them. Whatever it is that we need, we're going to get. That's how it's going to work. But that's not actually what it says. So what does it say? Next slide. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Okay, this is interesting. So what we're getting in response to this action of prayer is God's peace. Paul doesn't suggest that all of our requests are going to be granted Instead, we're offered the peace of God. That's it. That's all. Only the peace of God. We're promised a way through the mess, but not necessarily around it. I read uh, something by a, an author who writes kind of in the business world. He, he writes that clarity is the antidote to anxiety. And he talks about how, he's talking about this in the context of like leadership. And if you can be really clear with the people you're leading, then it'll do away with anxiety. And I think there's an element of truth to that in that one sphere of life. But there are so many situations where clarity actually can make things worse. If you're concerned about a health, something going on with your health, and the doctor says, yeah, it's really that bad, that kind of makes things more anxious. Or if you're concerned that you're about to fail an exam you just wrote, and you get the mark, and it says a fail, well, that probably doesn't relieve your anxiety. So there are situations where clarity actually doesn't help. So what is the actual antidote to anxiety? What is the antidote to worry and concern? It's peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The antidote to anxiety is peace. And a peace which transcends all understanding is how Paul says it. We can't explain this peace. We can only experience it. Baxter Kruger writes that to discover the truth about Jesus Christ and the truth about ourselves in him and to believe it as the truth is to have a different rue stirred into the being in our souls. Not one of fear and anxiety, but one of hope and peace and assurance. The peace of God is what we get when we come to Him. And then buried beneath the surface of Paul's words is a warning that God's peace will guard our hearts and minds. Now, why do our hearts and minds need it to be guarded? Because as if our circumstances aren't threatening enough, our anxiety about them compounds the problem. And I'm sure that we can all understand what it's like when you're concerned or worried about something, and then maybe you have trouble sleeping, and then your lack of sleep affects your relationship with other people, and then the negative relationships, that you, tensions that you're experiencing, that leads to a poor focus on work, and it becomes this downward spiral. There's something that we put ourselves at risk at when we give in to this worry and anxiety. And so God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. And the next few verses, which Rachel read for us earlier, we're encouraged to focus on the things that are good. 
Focus on all these great, whatever is lovely, whatever is beautiful, whatever is great in life, focus on these things. And then put these words into practice. Do what I'm telling you. And the result of this, and the God of peace will be with you. And I just think that's fantastic. Because if there's one thing that's even better than experiencing the peace of God, it would be experiencing the God of peace. Now, I'm going to close with what I usually start with. Usually when I get up with after the passage has been read, I provide a little context. I talk about what this book in the Bible is, who wrote it, what were the situations. I want to help us understand that. But I save that for the end because I think it's actually the best part of this Bible verse to memorize. The best thing about this passage is its context. Because Paul, who wrote it, was in prison. He's in jail. And he's like, don't be anxious about anything. It's all good. He wasn't writing this from some high lofty place. He wasn't writing this from some perfect life. I mean, you want to read the New Testament? Read his letters that he wrote. Man, this guy had a rough life. And he's the one saying, don't be anxious about anything. He speaks from a place of experience. They're not just empty words. I'm living it, he's saying. This is real life. And so I want to challenge you to commit this verse to memory. That's what we're doing every week this month. Because it changes the way we think and it changes the way we live. Now, I had to admit, and I will end with a concession, that because it's a little long, I realize that a lot of people here will say, I can't do that. I can't memorize that whole thing. There's no way I'm going to do it. So rather than you have memorized nothing, I will give you a plan B. And I'll close with this. Eugene Peterson's translation of Philippians 4.6. Instead of worrying, pray. I think we can all get that one. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to do a little bit what we're talking about, uh, which is pray. And then I'll dismiss you to either join our members of our pastoral care team up in the corner for some prayer or make your way through the lobby into the gym for some discussion. Lord, we're grateful that you call us to stay away from the things that wreck our lives, and allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed by worry and concern and anxiety is one of those things. And God, we are grateful that you invite us to come to you by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving to present our requests to you. And God, we are grateful that you offer us not only your peace, but you offer us yourself. And so God, whatever it is that we are going through individually this morning, in our families, in our workplaces, in our networks, God, whatever it is that we're going through, I pray that you would invite us to come to you and to ask for your peace and to invite your presence. In Christ's name, amen.